1: everybody welcome to the program where today i'm welcoming the fabulous corliss Rasil on our show And she's going to give us some outstanding wisdom, knowledge, and thoughts about women as they are striving to become high achievers, both in life and in business. She's going to share her personal experience growing up on a farm in Canada, and then some of her relationships. She's going to talk about raising her kids. She's going to talk about how she started her company, Corliss & Company. It's going to be great. It's going to be an opportunity for you to listen in on our conversation. Conversation, and you're going to pick up a lot of pearls of wisdom from Corliss Rasil today on Better Than Before. Our program today is sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by. I'll be right back with Corliss after this. The best way to feel love is to share it. That's why Subaru created the Subaru Share
2: the Love event. Subaru and Subaru dealerships will have donated over $225 million to help those in need. Get a new Subaru and Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of charity partners. The ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, or the National Park Foundation. Join us for the Subaru Share the Love event going on now through January 3rd at University Subaru.
0: Are you working twice as hard, but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today I'm super excited Because I've got Corliss Rasil as a special guest. Corliss is a Canadian inspirational speaker, a certified business success principles coach, dare to lead trainer, podcast host of her own show, Conversations with Corliss. She's a best-selling author and founder and CEO of Corliss Company Consulting Incorporated. Through her company, Corliss helps women break through the barriers that hold them back from leading all aspects of their lives, and I'm super excited here right at holiday time to have Corliss, who I didn't know might be one of my favorite people in the world, but since we talked here in the last three or four minutes before we went on the air, I now can say Corliss is one of my favorite people in the world. We just have so much in common. Welcome to the show, Corliss.
3: Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here, and thank you so much for that lovely introduction. We are certainly aligned, and I'm thrilled to be here to share some insights and some experiences, maybe a little bit of wisdom to help your audience.
1: Yeah, that's great, and I want to know more about you. You're in Canada. What part of Canada?
3: I'm in Saskatchewan, so that's in the central part of Canada. It is snowy and cold here today, so I'm really happy that we're doing this indoors.
1: So just for our audience in warmer parts of the United States and the world, what's the temperature there today?
3: Well, in Canada, we always measure in Celsius. So I'm actually not sure what Fahrenheit is with this, but today it's minus 29. So it's Celsius. So that's really cold.
1: (laughs) For years, I had family in the northern part of North Dakota. So I have been there. I don't know that I've been to Canada this time of year. The times I've been have been more in the summer, but you guys can just keep that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm from the southern part of the United States where 30 above zero is cold.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely not the case here. And I'll join you sometime down south again when things (laughs) open up
1: and we're free to do so easily. I'm sure it's just normal life to you, though. You've just been used to it all your life.
3: Well, you know, I actually think like anything else, because I was born and raised here, I'm proudly Canadian. And I think that just like anything else in life, we get used to it. We become accustomed and we're adaptable. And that's yeah. certainly the case in the seasons that we
1: roll with here in Canada. And I've always thought tough too. I mean, <laughs> you're tough to live in that environment when consider it normal. So you grew up in Canada. You've lived there your whole life. What did you do before you became CEO of Corliss & Company?
3: Well, interesting, actually, because I fell into a career. So when I say fell into it, it wasn't exactly planned out. I actually come from really humble beginnings. I grew up on the farm. I'm one of eight children and dreaming big and thinking bigger wasn't really a part of the equation of where I come from. And the ultimate goal was just really to get by in life and hope things work out. I really didn't believe that leading my life was an option. I wasn't exposed to that. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s when I was introduced to a direct sales company that I decided I would try it on a whim and it ended up turning into a 28-year career where I built this big, beautiful organization as I was able to work from home, raise my children. From my parents, I learned entrepreneurship. It was role modeled to me as they were farmers. And without even really knowing it, that was naturally suited to me. So when I fell into this career in direct sales, it was home decor, party light. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but beautiful, high-quality products. And it gave me everything that I was looking for because it gave me an opportunity to work from home and build a business and support women and do all the pretty things of decorating our homes and giving lovely gifts. However, around the 20-year mark, I started feeling like I was made for more. I just felt like I had achieved everything that I could. And aside of the fact that I had it all, working from home and living this luxurious lifestyle where I got to travel all over the place, and I was just feeling like there's something missing. And it wasn't until that feeling got really, I guess, deep and nagging within me that I started really asking myself some hard questions and saying, is this it? Is this all your life is going to be? Do you want more than this? And although I was truly grateful because I really was for everything that I had, and that's certainly something that I practice is being very grateful for what I have. I just couldn't shake it. And until I got in a place in my personal life where things fell apart, where my marriage ended and my kids started getting independent because I'm a mother of three and things just kind of fell apart in a way so that I had to really have a good hard look at what I wanted to do next. And that included assessing myself and really deciding, do I want this? Is this something that I want to continue with? And it was. However, I knew I wanted to do more. So that's where I started exploring the ideas of what's important to me. What do I want the rest of my life to look like? If my kids don't need me anymore, I'm no longer married. I have freedom to choose for myself. What do I want to do next? And that's where my company was founded from.
1: One thing, and it was back at the beginning, but I grew up on a farm also in Kentucky And when someone tells me that they grew up on a farm, I instantly, and I know we're not supposed to prejudge people, but I instantly think this person has good values. It just has been my experience that when you grow up on a farm, farmers know how to raise kids. They know how to raise everything else, corn, cows, horses, beans. So they know how to raise kids. And if you didn't grow up on a farm, it's hard to explain to someone what that experience is But the best way I could describe it as a kid growing up on a farm is that you don't really run the farm. The farm kind of runs you because it needs your attention. And if you don't give it the proper attention, my dad was a cattle rancher. He was a cutting horse trainer. And it was difficult to leave those animals for any extended time. So we didn't go on a long vacation much or anything like that. And dairy farming is even more intense than that. Those cows got to be milked every day. So what was your farm experience like growing up?
3: Well, I think you bring a really good point, and you know, a lot of the things that I learned from the farm have carried with me as I built my business as an entrepreneur and as even as an author. I mean, it's guided me my entire life. I like how you said values because that is certainly what my parents instilled in us. And I think one of the biggest things in watching my parents, without realizing it, and I don't know that my parents were in the place to be able to say, "Oh, we're going to intentionally teach our children to be resourceful," but I learned that by watching them because there was a lot of challenges. I mean, if you think about even the weather, like as a farmer, your crop could be completely destroyed by the weather, depending on what the season brings. And as an entrepreneur, that's even transferred into my business because, well, let's just look at the last two years, a pandemic hit us. As an entrepreneur, I had to learn to be resourceful. I had to have that kind of dig deep tenacity within me. I learned all of that by learning and growing up on the farm and watching my parents. So I learned very much that family, faith. You help your neighbors. You do the right thing whenever it's possible. You don't give up. You keep looking for alternate ways. And that's, like I say, carried through with me through every challenge that I've ever experienced in my life.
1: This is just, I don't know how people will take this example, but it's the one that just comes to my head right away. So I'm just going to use it. I had a business client who asked me once they were going to go out and start their own business and they had been working for somebody else's business. And they said, you know, I probably have the opportunity. I have relationships with clients back there. I could go out and start my business with their clients, like take their clients away. And he said, do you think that's ethical? And I said, well, I grew up on a farm and I think it would be okay to go down and buy another farm down the road. And if the farm I worked at raised hay, It would be okay for me to raise hay, but it wouldn't be okay for me to go back to their farm and take their hay over to my farm. I said, so I'm not sure I would do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's how deep the values are in me from growing up in that experience, right? Some people say, oh, it's no big deal. The clients should have a right to work with who they want. Well, that's true. But the image from the outside that it cultivates, I'm not sure is worth it.
3: Well, that's the thing. And I think for each person, they have to decide for themselves what is the right thing, because integrity is really what you do when no one's looking. It's like you have to know that within yourself. And that is certainly a principle that certainly guides me today. And I would say it's probably started right from young for me as well.
1: So conversations with Corliss, that's your podcast show. How did you come to the decision to do a show? And what's that about?
3: Okay, so I'm going to back it up because when I started Corliss Co., I started thinking I would just do a small few workshops and offer some extra services outside of my direct sales company. And through these workshops, I started identifying something over and over again. And it was very similar to what I had experienced prior to starting the company, which was these women came to me and it had been so long since they thought about what they even wanted, what was important to them. Life had been running their lives. Like they weren't leaving their lives. It was the other way around. And they just kind of fell into this trap of feeling unfulfilled at the end of the day. And it's like, what do I even want? They couldn't even answer that question. So I started doing these workshops that expanded to designing a masterclass from there it was like, I'll do these conferences so I can get an impact more people. And from there, I ended up being introduced to Jack Canfield, who is someone I've admired for many, many years. And I was actually given the opportunity to come and work with Jack in his mastermind in his home, where I then wrote my book, Lead Your Life. And while I was there... I was just feeling very inspired of wanting to reach more people. And it was like, how can I do that? So I've always naturally had the gift of gab. I love listening to people's stories. I love learning about them. I like understanding what makes people tick. So a podcast seemed a natural fit for me. But the problem was, where do we even begin? I have no idea how to create a podcast. So After I went to Jack, very quickly after that, I was given an opportunity to go to Oprah. And while I was at Oprah, Oprah said something about, you have to seize the moment. And I was very inspired. And in the airport, I made a decision. I was starting my podcast. I came up with 50 guests I wanted to interview. And I was like, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. So I came home, asked my assistant to do the research. And within two weeks, the podcast was launched. I had launched with nine episodes, all because I wanted to share people's stories. I wanted to create a platform for people to share their stories. So the reason I share that is because if you're sitting on an idea and it's burning in you and you don't know how to do it, you can figure it out. All of the resources are out there in the world for you. You just have to have a deep enough purpose to want to act on it. And for me, I'm in my 50s. I've got this stage of life ahead of me where now I feel like with my family more independent and this rest of my life. I Well, actually, what happened? Can I tell you the story of what yeah, happened? Please. It's quite hilarious, actually. No, yeah, I want to hear it. Okay, good. I got quite excited about the idea that perhaps the next half of my life could be the best half of my life and how that was inspired was that the first half as I was growing up I really knew I wanted to get married have children hopefully have a career and I did all those things and then suddenly I'm like in my 40s and it's like I woke up and blink it's all done but something's not right and something's missing so then my children grow up they don't need me my career's not fulfilling my marriage ends and I find myself only looking at me and As I'm looking at myself, I'm feeling very sad, very alone, and thinking, this is it. Like, this is all my life is going to be. And it was when I started saying to myself, what if you were to flip that around? What if you were to ask yourself or to explore the idea that because you don't know what you like, because you've lived for everyone else and everything else up to this point of your life, what if you were to start exploring new things and trying to do different things? So it became my motto first after 40, where I started trying things for the first time. And that included skiing and golf. And I tried all these things to learn what I even liked again. And that just stirred something inside of me that I started thinking that instead of this being a sad time of my life, perhaps this could be the best point of my life because now I have an opportunity because I have more time. I have more money. I have more experience. And what do I really want to do with that? And for me, the answer was to take everything that I know, everything that I've learned and share it with other people. It became like a purpose for the second half of my life, which is what I'm here doing today. If I can inspire even one person, then I've done my job. And that just lights me up and makes me so happy and excited to live now. So I feel like the next half is the best half and conversations with Corliss is really an opportunity to learn and to continue growing and to give other people a place to be able to do that as well.
1: So I don't want to assume, but as you're telling your story about your own personal journey, being a woman, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on today, because you primarily work with women, right?
3: Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so I freely admit, I don't know anything about well, I won't say I won't know anything about women, but I don't know what it's like to be a woman, Mm. put it that way. And I'm smart enough to realize that or whatever. So I'm not going to get on and give specific advice to women because I'm not one, but is that why you primarily work with women? Because of your own personal journey and that self-empowerment that you had to find on your own, maybe through your relationship with Jack and, just writing your book and you start feeling like, wow, I can do this. And then you thought I should share this with other women, not to put words in your mouth, but is that kind of how it happened?
3: That is actually exactly it. And what you said about that, you're not a woman. So it's difficult for you to understand and to work with women. You primarily work with men. It's the exact
1: same it's, thing for me. It's not hard for me to work with women necessarily. I just realize oh. I don't know what it's like to be. Uh. One. I'll give my regular advice but I just am not a woman. And just like, I don't think women totally understand men. They don't know what it's like to be one. So I'm really interested in your thoughts about this.
3: Well, the reason I work with women is because I am one. So that's a really easy, I know what they feel. I know what it's like. And I know that a lot of times we fall into a trap of feeling like we've settled, that we've given everything that we have to our families and to our careers and to kind of keep it all together. And it's a tough place to be. I know what it's like to try to take care of everyone else. I know what it's like to put yourself on the bottom of the list and to forget about your own needs to serve other people. Whether that be your family or your career, I know what it's like to try and prove yourself over and over again to feel like you're enough. And at the end of the day, the goal would be for me and for my company, for any woman that I work with to never feel like that again and to have tools and resources and to understand that if they can take care of themselves, they can bring the best of themselves to other people and it doesn't work in the reverse order. You have to put yourself at the top of the list. And most of the women that I work with, and certainly my own experience, that's just not the case because we feel like we have something to prove. So...
1: Yeah, you know, I'm here in Columbia, Missouri, which is the home of the University of Missouri, one of the leading colleges in the country. And they just hired the first female athletic director at Missouri. And she had a press conference. And of course, I know this question is going to be asked, even though I personally kind of think it's a silly question. But somebody steps up to the microphone and says, what's it like to be the first female athletic director at the University of Missouri? And I loved her answer. She said, well, I kind of hope I live to see the day where that question isn't asked anymore, where it's just a position and I'm just someone in the workforce. I'm not the first woman or that a woman got this job or whatever. And I'll be first to admit, we need more female CEOs. And that's my primary expertise working with people at that particular level in an organization but there are more and more Fortune 500 female CEOs that get added every year. Microsoft just named a female as its president of its board, which is a breakthrough uh, as Microsoft is in the technology side, which mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. fastest growing industry and in business today, of course. So I think we are making progress. Some would say not enough and not fast enough, but we are making progress. Why do you think it's been so hard?
3: Well, I think it's conditioning that's happened for a lot of women for a lot of years. As little girls, we are expected to have certain things that we're supposed to do. And my goal would be to kind of shatter that so that women recognize that they have an opportunity to be and do anything that they want to, and that it's okay to put yourself first and it's okay to dream bigger. And it's okay to see yourself as someone who's capable and that you can do anything you put your mind to. Truly. I'm always fascinated by how much women juggle. If you think about when I was younger, I mean, mostly it was pretty commonplace for the mom had the role of being at home with her children. And that was her role. And now, as the world has evolved, and as things have changed, and our roles have changed, women entered the workforce. And yet they're still doing the responsibilities of home while they're doing the other. So they're actually doing two major things, are two full-time jobs, truly. And somehow the expectation became that you just juggle all of that and that you just do it and you have to do it well. And that's where there's nothing left at the end of the day for us, because we're doing it all. We're keeping our homes, we're keeping our families, we're doing our jobs, we have to prove ourselves there. And it's like over and over and over again. So this conditioning kind of happened over the generations where it just became that that's the way that it is. I mean, commonplace. We're talking very generally here. I mean, every situation is different. However, I think to answer your question, I think that's what it is, is that it's been a conditioning that's been passed down from generation to generation. And we have to keep up with the times in the way of seeing women as they have choices, that it's not automatically that their role is to take care of home and family, plus do their career. There's actually choices here.
1: Our generation, you and I were close to the same age and our generation was the crossover generation. I know with my mom's generation, they were very much homemakers, but our generation kind of went out there and, and did some stuff and had careers and things like that. Did you consciously, you have a daughter, right?
3: I have two daughters and a son. Yes. Two daughters.
1: Yeah. So were you consciously trying to instill in them as they were growing up their independence, or did you just let that happen naturally?
3: Oh, that is just such a great question. There's so many parts to this I'd like to share with you because actually my first daughter just got married just a couple of weeks ago. And I can honestly tell you it was the happiest day of my life. And there's so many reasons for that, not just the celebration of her and her husband getting married and the true love and the beauty that goes along with the wedding, but it was so much more for me. And the reason for that is because I married at 19 years old and I just hoped that I was going to have a good marriage, a good relationship. I didn't take time to learn about myself, to explore who I was. I just kind of, again, I fell into it. It's interesting that everything that I do is about leading your life because most of my life, I just fell into things, you know? So it's like, I just fell into what was expected or what the next step was after we've been dating for a while. So you get married and that's that, right? It was a very difficult relationship and it was not healthy in any way, shape or form and And then I fall into this having children. And then it's like, you're kind of trapped. You don't know what else to do. And 11 years ago, I finally had the courage to end that relationship and to move on. And one of the biggest things about that for me I even wrote it in my journal because we had fallen into a self-destructive pattern. It was a very dysfunctional relationship, and it was a pattern that had been repeating for many years. And when I finally had the courage to follow through, I could feel myself slipping backwards. And I wrote in my journal that I have to follow through and I have to do this because I want more for my daughters. I want my daughters to choose. Well, I know that I'm the role model for them and it really inspired me to follow through on that decision because I wanted more for them than what I was living. And I knew I had to role model that I couldn't just say it. So having the courage to do that was a huge breaking point. And it taught my children through my example that Even if it's hard, you can do it. And even if you fail at something, you can start over. And I believe that my example and the courage of that decision to follow through on that is what has made my children who they are today. And I'm truly and sincerely proud of them. They have chosen well, and that's why the wedding was such a beautiful celebration.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not sure there's a book out there that can tell you how to do it right. But Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you journaled. Do you encourage your clients to journal?
3: Oh, yes. Matter of fact, all of my challenges, everything, all of my coaching is based on self-reflective questions. So I offer insights and support and guidance to people, but then it always comes back to that they have the answers in them. And I really believe that. I believe that as a coach, my role is really just to help people discover those answers and kind of tap into them. And we have to ask ourselves those questions and writing it down and getting out of your head and onto paper and you know, looking back on your journey. That's the other thing. Because here I am, 11 years later, I opened up my journal and I was able to see where I was at and what inspired me to follow through and how far I've come. It was so beautiful to be able to celebrate that. It gave me an opportunity to celebrate myself. And when we're talking about women, I think that's another key component here that we should talk about because women have been taught for generations and generations to live within the confinements of the story and what's supposed to be the expectations. And we don't know how to celebrate ourselves. And as a matter of fact, I remember as a young girl, a very influential woman in my life, when I was really proud of myself or something, she said, you need to stop that. That's terrible. You're sounding like you're bragging. And I was taught to never be proud of myself, that I was egotistical if I was, and That is something that I think if we could just start seeing ourselves for how valuable we are, celebrating our many achievements, feeling good about them, and stepping into that power, then we're going to inspire other people all around us to do the same thing. There is nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. Be proud of yourself like you would of your best friend when something happened. Do the same thing for yourself.
1: Yeah, I created a model back when I first started coaching. It just sort of came to me one day when I was just noodling around in my journal. It's called the galaxy of you. And it's based on planets and there's planets revolving around you and this, that, and the other. And uh, you're at the center of your galaxy. And whenever I introduce that to a client, if it's a female or if it's in a workshop, the females, they always have trouble with that. They always struggle with, oh my gosh, I could never tell anybody that the world revolves around me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know if you want to embrace it or not, but the truth is your world does revolve around you. And there would be a huge hole in life if you weren't there. And so it's just a mental mindset, right, that causes the struggle. Because I think whether or not they were taught by their moms or whether or not it's just some, an identity they assumed along the way, They've just always put everybody else first and put themselves last. And that sounds good. I mean, Simon Sinek would say probably that's the way to do it, but I disagree. I think if you don't put yourself first, who will?
3: hmm. So true. I think it's a reframing of that mentality, because here's the thing. Women will show up for other people before they'll show up for themselves. That's just the way it is. It's like a genetic makeup that we just will. Like if my daughter needs me, I'll be there. Count on it. But if I need something for myself, nah, there's a
1: question mark. I can maybe do that later yeah. or push it on the back burner. My thought is why can't those be equal?
3: Well, actually, I think it should be that we put ourselves first, because here's the thing that I'd really like to say to the woman who's feeling like it's too hard for them. They've always had this belief that they have to be serving other people and pleasing other people and doing for other people to be valuable. Here's what I want to say to that person. I want you to really hold this thought in your mind that in order to bring your best to other people, you have to be at your best, which means you have to be first. You have to take care of yourself. You have to do what keeps you well. And there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of different coaches you know, and teachers. They'll say, do this. This is the things that you have to do to stay well. I actually think that it's something much more personal. What keeps you well? Ask yourself that. So in my example and in my world, if I'm not rested, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not myself. I can't bring my best. Okay, so that's like one thing for me. The other thing is, is that if I don't have some fun. Because I have a tendency to be like an overachiever. I am like, do, 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 do. And I just push through and can ignore my feelings and just keep going like the Energizer Bunny. I've been teased about being the Energizer Bunny, actually.
1: I I don't think that would have got past me there. I think (laughs) I would have picked that up.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. And I think a lot of women are like that. So for me, I could work 24 hours a day, especially because I'm passionate about what I do. And I could help other people and help my family and help my clients and help everyone. But who's helping me then? So then I know that I have to take some time to have some fun because I'm at my best when I'm having some fun. So I have to build in time to have a good time. So sleep, having a good time, journaling my thoughts. Is there another really big one? Because otherwise it builds. Up in my mind, and I get overtaken by it, and then stress starts to pile up, and I feel overwhelmed and anxious. So, if I take something and I put it out of my head and onto paper, it helps me with that. And then at the end of every day, I have to ask myself, what "Would you win at today?" So that I can celebrate that, because some days I feel like I failed and. Sometimes I have to look a little harder, but if I look really hard, I can find something. Even if it meant that I showed up that day, even though I didn't really feel like it. And then lastly, I have really built in a practice of gratitude. Something happened a few years ago to me, because I've always felt like I've been a grateful person. It's something that We've talked about growing up on the farm. It's a value that I've always had, but I experienced something on a different level and I'd like to share it today. And what had happened was this saying came across my screen and all it was, was what if you woke up tomorrow and everything that you weren't grateful for today was gone? And I really kind of, it took me back because I was like, oh, I'm grateful. And I was like, oh, that's a cool quote. And I sat with it and that was it. It just sat in the back of my mind. And then two days later, I had this huge lineup of activities. I was doing a video shoot. I had podcasts. I had all these different things, a speaking engagement that I had to speak at. And can you believe two days later after reading that quote, I woke up and I had no voice, zero. My voice was completely gone. And I thought about that quote and I was like, you know, You have never once been grateful for your voice, ever. The voice that women didn't have for generations before you. The voice that allows you to share from stages all over the world. A voice that allows you to have conversations with people and tell people that you love them, and yet you've never been grateful for your voice. And that took my gratitude to a whole new level. There are so many things that we could fix by practicing gratitude. We, a lot of times, create our own suffering by the energy that we give to our thoughts and by focusing on trivial things that in the big picture really don't matter. And if we were to shift ourselves to the fact that we've got so many good things all around us, everywhere, everywhere, every single day, if you've got one person that loves you, you've got something to be grateful for. If you've got a pet, or if you've got a worn home, or if you have food to eat, you have something to be grateful for. If you have a voice or hearing to be able to hear this today, we have something to be grateful for. And you know, what I've learned about that is that when I practice gratitude at that level, and I sit in that state, my life feels good. So that's why I encourage people to do it, because I know that you want to feel great about your life. You want to feel good. So focus your energy on all that you have versus all that you don't.
1: I'm glad that you told that story. I work with my clients a lot on this concept of resistance and that when you want to make a change in your life toward anything positive or any kind of achievement or anything that's going to better yourself or better the environment around you, Resistance is the negative flow in the world that's going to rise up to meet you like you lost your voice, right? Mm -hmm. So something's going to happen in the negative to challenge you to make sure that you really mean business, that you're really connected to your purpose, that you really have that energy stored that's going to help you get over and conquer that resistance. And I think we have to do that every day. That's not just something that happens every now and then people who are constantly trying to get better every single day also have to overcome the resistance every single day. And mm-hmm. gratitude is just a wonderful way to recalibrate yourself and your energy to give you that extra boost to get over whatever that resistance is going to throw at you that day
3: hmm That's amazing. You actually remind me of a woman that I was working with in a workshop and she's a really busy realtor. She's very successful. And at that time she had a 13 and 15 year old in her life, like her children. And she was busy and she's telling me the story and we did this workshop. And at the end of it, she said, you know what I realized today, Corla, she said in five years, both of my children are gone. And right now I spend so much time giving them heck, telling them what they're not doing, hustling them to get somewhere, trying to get them to make decisions about their life because it's like, go, go, go. You have to do this, you have to do that. She said that I sometimes forget to even look at them and be grateful for the chance that I still have this opportunity to be in their lives. And she said, I'm not putting my work first all the time before my children. And I'm shifting how I speak with my kids Fast forward like a year after that, she asked me if I would have coffee with her and her children and we did. And her kids were telling me that they could tell the the decision that their mom made to make some changes and how great it was. And you could see that their relationship was flourishing and it was wonderful. So I think sometimes we just need to ask ourselves these real honest to goodness questions of what really matters What is it that I have that I can focus on that's good? And we can put ourselves in a beautiful state anytime we choose to. And that means that we need to do the things that keep us well. We have to put ourselves first.
1: Are there any list of three or four things that you think would be really important for our female audience to know from your experience of working with women?
3: Yes, actually. The first one that comes to mind is simplify to amplify. Now, I know that that sounds like a play on words, but it's really true because if you simplify some things in your life, see what I think a lot of women do is we do just to do. We're just doing the things we always did and we don't even think about it anymore. It's like, wow, a month is gone, a year is gone. What? We got to shake it up. So you want to simplify so that you can amplify your life experience. So what is it that doesn't matter anymore? Like, what are you doing just to do that doesn't actually bring joy or purpose or happiness or fulfillment that in the big picture doesn't really matter? And those are the things you want to ask yourself so that you can kind of let those things go. The second thing is, when we talk about this concept of putting yourself first, literally, I want to encourage you to put yourself First, by putting it in your schedule, just like anything else, if you've got to be at work at 9 a.m., you got to schedule yourself the same way that you would schedule yourself to go to work for the time that's for you. So if you need to get up 20 minutes earlier so that you can start your day with your journaling or go to bed 20 minutes earlier so you get enough sleep, whatever that is for you, you need to plan it in as if you're a priority because you are just like you would anything else. I call it non-negotiable just make it non-negotiable. This is not a negotiation. This is Uh, written in stone, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I love it.
3: And then thirdly, I would say to often ask yourself, what is it that I really want? And if you don't know what it is that you want, and that's going to bring you a level of joy and happiness and fulfillment, then seek out somebody who can help you figure that out. Really do that as a put yourself first And finally, I guess, is keep listening to inspiration like this. Keep hearing the stories of other people. Step into your power by riding on the coattails of other people. There were so many times that I just did not believe in myself. And it was by listening to other people's stories and the wisdom of other people that I started seeing myself through them. And that started giving me the courage to step into who I wanted to be and start sharing myself. And you'll get more confident. You'll feel better about yourself. And you'll feel like you're living a purpose every day because you're contributing to someone and something else.
1: Gosh, I could sit here with this conversation all day, Corliss. This has been fabulous. Corliss Rasil has been our special guest today, just sharing such gold with everybody. I've got 12 rapid fire questions I ask every guest that comes on the show. So I guess we better get on to that because you got other stuff to do today besides talk to me, but I could talk to you all day.
3: Thank you so much. This has been my pleasure, truly.
1: Here comes the first one. What is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you?
3: Uh, Spending time with my family at the lake.
1: Good. Who's the number one hero in your life? My mom. What was her name?
3: Stephanie. She raised eight children. That's superhero
1: in my words. That's fantastic. What's the top value you subscribe to?
3: Authenticity.
1: Who's the most important person in your life? Myself. There you go. I was wondering if that was going to catch you or not. What's your favorite thing?
3: Morning coffee by the soft lights that I have in my office. (laughs)
1: Oh, I love morning coffee too. What's your favorite food?
3: Oh, that's a tough one. I love food. Probably my homemade chicken.
1: What's the most beautiful place you've ever visited?
3: Ireland, I think.
1: If you could describe success in one word, what do you think the word would be?
3: Self-love.
1: How do you want to be remembered?
3: As a leader that lived very authentically and with purpose every single day.
1: If you could go back and give the young Corliss some advice, what would that advice be? Love yourself first and be true to you. What's your favorite sound? Gosh, (laughs) I don't know. My son's voice, I think. And the best lesson you've learned.
3: Hmm, The best lesson. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. There's so many lessons that I've learned. But I honestly think in the spirit of what we're talking about today, it would be to put yourself first and to be true to you.
1: Wonderful. So tell everybody how to find out more about you, sign up for anything you offer. Just tell them where to go to learn more about Corliss.
3: Sure. My website is corliss.ca. So it's spelled C-O-R-L-I-S-S dot C-A. Right now is a free gift to you. I actually have a three-day free coaching replay that I did last summer that people asked me for over and over again. So it's there and it's available to everyone who visits my website. And I guess the biggest thing that I've got coming up and the most life-changing thing that I've seen happen for my clients over the last year is the personal growth challenges that I offer. I have a brand new one that's launching in January and uh, I want you to check it out because because it's an amazing process of self-discovery. And by the end of it, you'll feel so much more hopeful, so much more grounded, so much more excited about your life. So I hope you'll check that out for sure.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Corliss Russell of Corliss and Company. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I hope you'll come back sometime. I would love to. Thanks again. All right. Stand by. I'll have more. I'll be right back here on Better Than Before. The best way to feel love is to share it. That's why Subaru created the Subaru Share
2: the Love event. Subaru and Subaru dealerships will have donated over $225 million to help those in need. Get a new Subaru and Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of charity partners. The ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels or the National Park Foundation. Join us for the Subaru Share the Love event going on now through January 3rd at University Subaru
0: receive weekly coaching tips from tony
2: richards delivered straight to your
0: inbox whether you're a ceo or an entrepreneur tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry tony's monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for tony's monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com
1: welcome back to better than before i'm tony richards what a great conversation with corliss today corliss Rasil. I hope you go visit her website and take advantage of some of the stuff that she has to offer. She's just a great person, and man, what great gems of wisdom and knowledge she shared with us today. I'm going to send you off with five great quotes for your day today. Here you go. Number one, love yourself first, and everything falls into line. Lucille Ball. Number two, a man thinks by mouthing hard words, he understands hard things. Herman Melville the writer of Moby Dick. Number three, the mind is its own place and in itself can make heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. John Milton. Number four, I quote others only in order to better express myself. Michelle de Montaigne. And number five, it's better to be high spirited even though one makes more mistakes than to be narrow minded and too prudent. Vincent van Gogh. Well, that's our program today. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you downloading and participating in our podcast every week. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can join our free Facebook group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Tony Richards 4. Special thanks as always to our super producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better.